Take me, just take it to 
want to welcome you this evening. Let's speed it up just a little bit. Keep it in the same key. Let's sing that song of I've Been Redeemed. I've been redeemed by love divine. Oh, glory, glory, and Christ is mine. And all to Him I now resign. I have been, I have been redeemed. I've been redeemed by love divine. Oh, glory. Christ is mine, all to Him I now resign. I have been, I have been redeemed. I've been redeemed by love divine. Oh, glory, glory, and Christ is mine, all to
you would just continue to play that softly. You may have your seats for just a moment. We just want to remember Brother Matt Cross, who is not with us this evening. He is away. And also I have here uh, Sister Tracy Rabin, if we could still uh, continue to remember her. And also I have here that uh, Lily Harwell is not with us. She's at home, not feeling well. So if we could just remember her in prayer. Also, I have here that uh, Sister Connie Hughes is uh, not with us. She is in South Carolina, I believe it is. So if we could just remember her. Also, the Jacksons are not with us. They are having to work this evening. So if we could just remember them in prayer. And also the Whitlocks who are away working too. So if we could just remember them. And I have here that uh, Brother Chris Clayville and his family are not with us. Um, They are all sick. So if we could just uh, keep them in prayer. And then I have a special request here from Sister Crystal. I said a friend of mine had surgery today for tonsil cancer. Um, Her name is Kathy. So if we could just remember her and an unspoken prayer request for Brother Joel. And uh, also just uh, remember my grandmother. She's not with us this evening. She is uh, just away, uh, just taking some time, a little vacation. So if we could just remember her in prayer. And uh, I know we all have unspoken prayer requests. Um needs, whether sickness, financial needs, whatever it may be, uh, God knows those needs. So just the lifting of your hands, God knows those. And if I could have uh, Brother Jaron come and pray over these needs, if you would stand. Let's bow our heads together and take these needs before the Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just take this time to honor you, Lord, and lift you up, Father. Lord, we just worship you in spirit and truth, Lord, and pray that you would draw near to us. Father, as we come before you, we ask forgiveness of our sins or anything that would beset us, Lord, anything that would stand between us and you, God. We certainly ask, Lord, that you would just touch us, Lord. Show us mercy, God. Lord, we all need a touch and a lift in our faith, Lord. Pray that you would help us, Lord. Draw us draw us closer to you, God, in this time, this dark hour that we live in, God. And Lord, as we come before you, we just bring these needs before you, God, that were mentioned, Lord. Many folks that are not here today, Lord, we think of the Cross family, Lord, and the Whitlocks and the Jacksons. And Lord, we pray that you would just be with any of those families that are away from our assembly at this time, God, you would grant them traveling mercies to bring them back to us, Lord, that you would just have mercy upon them, God. Lord, we think of those that are sick and afflicted in this time, that you would just have mercy upon those families and those members that are reaching out to you for healing in their bodies, Lord. God, you are the great healer, Lord, and I pray that you would just touch them and deliver them from their afflictions, Lord God. Lord, we just ask that you would visit us tonight in a special way that you would, Lord, just speak through the minister, Lord, to our hearts, Lord, a word that would lift us up, encourage us, Lord. Lord, help us to be expecting, Lord. Father, I pray that you would bless the remainder of the service. Committed to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. I don't have any specials, so we'll just sing a couple of songs here before Brother Barry comes this evening. Let's uh, sing that song, I Claim the Blood. Sing key, I think.
I claim the blood Jesus shed on Calvary Those precious blood stains were made there just for me for all my sins my sickness and my pain when I need you I just claim those precious blood stains I have a source of strength when I am weak that takes me
So I claim the blood Jesus shed on Calvary And those precious blood stains Were made there just for me For all my sins My sickness and my pain When I need healing I just claim those precious blood stains Amazing grace How sweet Oh 
once was lost Now for I once was lost But now I'm found For I was blind But now I see Amen. Brother Tom, if you would pray with the tithes and offering. Amen. Let's put it in F again. Let's sing that song. Let's just praise the Lord. Let's just praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Let's just lift our hands to what have tonight she has a procedure tomorrow and uh, we want to remember her in prayer and just trust that the Lord will 
uh, allow her to come through that and have a complete recovery. Also as well, Brother Tom and Sister Kim, they have a relative. Her name is uh, Nikki Linquist. She's 49 years old in Alaska. And she has um, a very serious bacterial infection, the kind that is a flesh eater. And uh, they have been really, really working hard with her, giving her special antibiotics, doing uh, surgeries, uh, doing everything they possibly can to uh, stay that infection and uh, to stop it where it is. Uh, it's obviously life-threatening, and so we've been asked to pray. Their family is very concerned about her, and so if you don't mind remembering her in prayer, Nikki Linguist, and uh, we'll keep you posted on that. How many of you have a need tonight in your heart? Just something personal, something nobody knows about. You just want to give it to God. Just when we pray, raise your hand and just say, Lord, you know all about it. Heavenly Father, as we bow in the quietness of this evening, it's just such a privilege, Lord, to be back and to be able to gather in this place and to be able to enjoy the presence of the Lord and study our Bibles. That's just such a great privilege, and we never, ever want to take that for granted. Lord, we know that the freedom we enjoy, the freedom we enjoy as a nation, but the freedom we enjoy in Christ is a very special thing. And Lord, we just pray now as we bind our hearts, our requests together, we give them all to you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask and pray that your presence, Lord, would move tonight in such a way that you could deal with every heart. You're one, Lord, that doesn't just deal with surface issues, but you dig deep and you know our hearts and our thoughts and our our innermost feelings about things and about people. And so, Lord, the very best thing we can do now is just let it go into your hands and just ask you to have your way. We have two special requests, Lord, tonight. All of these requests that Brother Mitchell read are special, and, Lord, we want to add Sister Rachel on there tonight and just ask that you would just be present with her tomorrow. Take away any fear or doubt. Lord, I pray that you would just give her complete recovery, Lord, and and just to help her, Lord, to be completely well from this affliction that she suffers with. And, Father, we pray for Brother Tom's niece. And, Lord, you know all about this thing. And, Father, it's, it's just something that the doctors and nurses are doing the very best they possibly can. But she needs a miracle. She needs help. And, Father, we just place her into your hands now, not only to deal with her body, but also with her soul as well, that she might look to you, Lord, in a very special way and give thanks and praise to you. Lord, we commit that need to you tonight and just ask again that you would bless the reading of the word. Minister to all those who are not here. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Take your Bible tonight while you're standing and uh, welcome to the house of the Lord. It's certainly good to see you all again and uh, good to have you all here. Tyler, good to have you here and uh, may God bless you. All of you friendly faces here. Theo, welcome to the front row and all of you that were at the camp, I haven't seen a lot of you since then. So, Ezekiel, we're going to be reading tonight, chapter 45. Ezekiel, chapter 45. This is number 18. I kind of feel like a really experienced preacher to be up to 18 here. And uh, we want to deal with this because I just kind of can't find a place to let it go. Ezekiel, chapter 45. This is about... Uh, the reconciliation of the temple and the house and, and uh, what the priests had to do in their offerings and sacrifices. So let's just read so that we can capture a phrase here. Thus saith the Lord God, verse 18, I mean I, Ezekiel forty-five, eighteen. 
Thus saith the Lord God, in the first month, in the first day of the month, thou shalt take a young bullock without blemish and cleanse the sanctuary. Now, they didn't touch the whole sanctuary. They just sprinkled blood on that sanctuary. That's all they did. But that act was significant or symbolic enough to cleanse the whole place. And the priest shall take of the blood of the sin offering and put it upon the posts of the house and upon the four corners of the settle of the altar and upon the posts of the gate of the inner court. And so thou shalt do the seventh day of the month for everyone that erreth. And for him that is simple, so shall you reconcile the house. May God at his blessing you may be seated. I appreciated the opportunity to be able to go down and uh, spend some time in fellowship with Brother Danny Steeman and uh, really enjoyed that, uh, really enjoyed our time together and ministering to his people there. Many familiar people, faces I hadn't seen in a coon's age, and it was really nice to be able to go down in uh, a long time and uh, to be able to see them. So uh, it was really nice. And I got to meet Jaron's brother. Uh, that was a treat for sure. And uh, the Cathys were there and just, just so many others. It was really uh, really very nice. Uh, I sent some of you the picture of the alligator that showed up first to church and uh, about six feet long, and he was he was ready for church for sure. He didn't want to go, and uh, but it was really nice, cold but really nice, warmer here than it was in Florida. So don't feel like you're missing out on anything. Um, as you know, this uh, coming weekend we have our uh, fall festival. Something you don't want to miss. And uh, there's been lots of preparation and work uh, been put in so far. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of uh, different things going on. Uh, during the day, it'll start around 1 o'clock. It'll go till around 6 or 7. Uh, we have our meal. Uh, Brother John uh, printed out this flyer for you. It's in the library if you would like to take one with you. And it has all the events listed there and what you need to do. Uh, in relation to that event, it has some rules there about the pie contest and about the jelly contest and so forth. Uh, all of that's there. So uh, there's some activities that are age-related, and uh, you, you, that's noted in there as well. And uh, I'll be sending out another uh, update. We'll have this attached to it as well. So uh, if you just want to come and sit in fellowship and eat fried pies, you're welcome to do that all day long. Uh, but there'll be lots of other stuff that you can participate in as well. And uh, it should be good. Always good to see where the pie ribbon goes. Always good. So uh, we have a, uh, uh, in my office, they had a sale on rope. So we have a new tug-of-war rope. And uh, we're just excited there. All right. So <clears throat> let's... Uh, Let's uh, turn our thoughts now to the Word tonight, and uh, just I want to jump right into it and not have much of a uh, preamble here. I'm going to take a couple of uh, scriptures that we're going to, uh, a couple of screens that we're going to review, but not very much at all, uh, because we want to jump into this topic here tonight. Now, Brother Branham tells us, he said, now people today make the gospel too complicated for people. That's always been the reason that goes over the head of the common people. And the gospel was sent for all, but it's usually the common people that hears it. Luke said that. And so God makes it so simple that he said in Isaiah that even a fool shouldn't err therein. So we never want to make it complicated. It's simple, the simplicity of believing it and just having faith. Don't move from it. Stay right with it. God takes care of the rest. 
So the purpose here is that simply uh, there are some principles that, that can be clearly stated and they can be clearly explained so that you're not, uh, you're not misunderstanding. There's not a misconception. And God doesn't want you to have any kind of a blur in terms of what he really means. And I believe that's the value of uh, having, having ministry, good ministry. I'm not talking about myself here, but I'm talking about in general, the fivefold ministry helps to make things clear so that uh, we can practice it because we're called to be doers of the word. Isn't that right? And uh, it is important for us then, as Brother Branham said, when you understand it, you're going to stay with it. Don't move from it. God will, God will honor that. God will take care of the rest of it. You practice what you know. Uh, I was, I was uh, talking with a, a sister recently who was in a prayer line, and she, uh, she listed off uh, just a number of, of complexes and things that she had, was dealing with. And um, this was after a service that I had preached, and uh, she, I, I told her, I said, you know, you can't go home and, and expect to fix everything all in one shot. Uh, one sermon doesn't fix everything, and one, uh, you know, one, one time of prayer doesn't always fix everything. A lot of times, uh, problems have accumulated, they've built up over time. But I said, what you can do is take something clear that you understand, that you know you can apply, and go home and apply that. And when you apply that and, and see it through, follow it all the way through, then ask God to give you another piece and another piece. And I said, it's here a little, there a little, line upon line, cell upon cell. That's how we build the right thing. And so we, uh, we, we take it this way. And God doesn't want us to make it complicated. I remember in my early years of ministry, I hung around uh, with older ministers that tried to out prophet the prophet. They tried to out-God God. They tried to uh, make it so complicated that they would be known as the uh, high and lofty one and the deep and, and, uh, and uh, intellectual one. And I thought, wow, well, okay, that's the way you need to be. And I, I, you know, I thought, well, okay, I'll wade out into the deep waters before I knew how to swim. And I found that out there, uh, people were as lost as I was. And so I came back towards shore, came back to safer waters, and began to minister in a way that I could understand. And I found that in doing that, it helped more people. I mean, that's just my way. All right, so we talked about um, this subject of a wounded spirit and trying to uh, establish, trying to create shalom in the home and trying to maintain shalom in the home. It isn't just something that we want to have for a day. We want to live this way, right? And so, therefore, there's a couple of things in this list that we uh, we talked about. And uh, the first thing was that when we are wounded, there are times when uh, the criticism may actually be accurate. It may be something that we need to hear even when we don't want to hear it. But nobody ever has a right to hurt another person. When God corrects us, he doesn't hurt us. When God corrects us, uh, we don't feel like morons. You know, we don't feel like we are losers. When God corrects us, uh, we love him more at the end of the process, at the end of the training, at the end of the discipline, we love him more. And that's the way that we should deal with one another. Now, it doesn't always come out that way because we are human beings and there are stresses in life. Uh, you know, we, we think of different examples, especially back in the Old Testament. And so... Uh, wounding is a difficult thing, and we've explained that, so I don't want to linger a whole lot on that. 
But the second thing now I want to deal with is the subject of reconciliation. That's the goal. If there is a problem, a disruption, if there's a, a split in your family, if there's a, a division between you, and whether it's in a church, whether it's in a family, whether it's in a marriage, if there's a difference of opinion, if there are hard feelings, if there are past hurts or present hurts, if there are uh, what we say irreconcilable differences, which is a common phrase that people use when it comes to, uh, you know, using it as a basis for dissolving a marriage. They say, well, we have irreconcilable differences. That means that it's impossible for us to reconcile this situation and come back together. Now, I really, um, well, let's go on a little bit further here. But reconciliation is a, uh, a very, very important thing. And it has some unique characteristics to it. So we want to deal with this uh, tonight here. Reconciliation is always the goal. We want to fix what went wrong instead of fixing the blame. Right? We want to fix what went wrong instead of fixing the blame. So when, when people are wounded and when there is a, uh, you know, a hurt that somebody experiences, it's a difficult thing. When a, when a healthy person has a, a debilitating sickness, that's hard. Like the translation here says of Proverbs 18. Short of outward resources, life is hard. So if we went through a, f- a famine in our country, that would be difficult uh, for all of us. Even if you're in a healthy state, that would be difficult. But short of inward resources, it feels insurmountable. When the wound is on the inside, when your spirit is wounded, when your heart is wounded, that's a hard thing. No matter how healthy you are, no matter how wealthy you are, no matter how intelligent you are, when somebody hurts you deeply inside, that's a tough thing. It's almost insurmountable. Now remember, with God all things are possible. So there, there, there is a way we can navigate through this. And so, uh, there are, uh, there are lots of different things that we could say in relation to this. But I want to focus here tonight. Brother Branham said, now I, I read that God gives us all things. He gives us a pardon to those who want to accept, uh, God's word as pardon. A pardon from God is a release from guilt. How many can say amen? A pardon from God. When God pardons you. Now, your, your family may never forget. Your, your wife or husband may never forget. Uh, there are people around you that may never forget. But a pardon from God is a release from guilt. That's a principle that you have to hold on to. All of us make mistakes. And all of us have a measure of guilt that we carry. But when God forgives you, in other words, when you go through the steps of a real genuine repentance, that's a release from guilt in the eyes of God. And the assurance is, is that when we get there, guess what? God's not going to bring it up again and hold it against you. Aren't you glad for that? Now, I hold on to quotes like this. I, I like quotes like this because, uh, you know, the, uh, the thought, I mean, just the thought that you're going to, you know, show up at the gates of heaven and someone says, yeah, really? Really? You think you're going to get in? In heaven, they don't say that. In heaven, that's not said. Do you believe that? In heaven, you gotta believe that, that the sin question is settled. You gotta believe that. And a pardon from God is a release from guilt. So your sins are gone, and guilt should be gone too. Now there may be things in a natural realm that you need to make right. Like if you stole money from your, um, if you stole money from your neighbor, uh, then, you know, you, you should pay it back. Right? There, 
there's a, a natural consequence for that, and you need to pay that money back if you could do that. And uh, that would be a, a natural consequence. And then somebody might say, well, I'm not going to loan him any money anymore, you know, if, he, if he's going to be that way. And there are things in the natural that happen as a result of offenses. But a pardon from God is a release from guilt. And for, there is, as Paul writes, there is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, that walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Respect is never demanded. Respect is earned, right? And so if somebody loses respect in you, your job is to win that respect back. But you can't go to your wife and say, you have to respect me. You can, you can intimidate her into saying yes, but in her heart she may never respect you. Your conduct is what's going to res- uh, gain respect, right? Your actions is going to be what's gained respect. So if somebody, uh, you know, if one of our young people were accused of something, I would encourage them, hey, walk in the way. Walk in a stellar way. Walk in a way that removes any, any single question about your character and about your conduct and earn people's respect that way. That would probably be the best thing to do. Now, in the Church Age book, Brother Branham says very simply, he said, repent quickly, don't hesitate. When something comes up in your life or something comes up in your household, something comes up between yourself, you got a, you got a beef with me or you got a, a problem, something like that, come to me quickly. Don't, don't linger on it. Don't do it after you've told everybody in the church. Come to me first. I was on the phone today for several hours sorting through a situation, not a here and not in this country, but I was sorting through a situation where This person said this, because this person said this, because this person said this, and it got out on a public forum among ministers. And I said, hey, as Christians, we don't, we don't act that way. So let's start to go backwards now. And I contacted all the parties involved, and everybody was, uh, communicated with, and so forth. And I got down to the end, and someone said, oh, it's okay now, it's everything's alright. I said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, accept that until I get an, uh, the report from the last person in this line who was offended. And when that pro- brother said, okay, uh, they apologize, everything is good, I went back and I told all those people, all those ministers, we got the apology, it's alright, it's in writing, so we're good. And I said, you know what? You wouldn't want your people to act that way in your church. And your people don't want you as a minister to act that way. So grow up. That's what I told them. And we got to the bottom of it. But listen, just because we're in the message doesn't mean that we don't have differences. Just because we're in the message and are a believing family don't mean that we disagree, we won't disagree. We will. We're human beings. And we all have feelings, and there are things that happen. Time changes things. And so, uh, you know, there, uh, there are steps that we can take, and there are things that we are, uh, we are responsible to do. But Brother Bram's advice here, and many times he says this, is do it quickly. Don't hesitate. Don't linger. Don't let it fester. Don't let it become a bad cell that has an attitude that it wants to spread. Do what you need to do and do it quickly. David says, teach me good judgment, Psalm 119, and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, and I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Hey, this is David. People have forged a lie against me. People have said things about me here. But he says, I want to learn. He says, I, I, I don't want to take for granted, uh, you know, the blessings of God. He says, you, you, I need you to teach me good judgment. I need you to teach me knowledge. 
Listen, <clears throat> the best place for this to be practiced and begun is in your home. When you pray and ask God and say, Lord, give me judgment, give me knowledge, not judgment to condemn, but give me judgment and wisdom and discernment in order to, uh, to uh, help me do things in a way that would be pleasing to you. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Let me govern my home the way that the kingdom of God, uh, things would be governed there. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Hey, there's nothing that will drive somebody back to the tree of life. Like a messed up life. There's nothing that will drive people back to God than a life without God. And I'm not suggesting that you live your life without God. But I'm saying that when people get out there and think they can do whatever they want. And think they can live whatever way they want. And not have any consequences for that. They soon figure out that this world is not really the nicest place to live without God. The only way you want to live on this earth right now is to be walking in harmony and in step with the Holy Spirit. You in him and him in you so that you can make decisions according to his will and you can have an umbrella of protection. And yes, you do have an umbrella of protection when you're under the token and thou art good and doest teach good, doest good and teach me thy statutes. And Lord, let me learn every day that I live on this earth. Let me learn. Let me grow up and let me learn. Brother Bram says the same thing. He says, come back like a lamb, come back to be gentle, come back to know nothing, come back to just submit yourself to Christ. So your attitude matters here. Don't try to know nothing. Just walk meekly, quietly, humbly, gently, and the dove will lead you. Don't ever get an attitude that, well, I don't have to listen to you. Hey, if that man is God's appointed servant for that hour, uh, I wouldn't say that. And I'm not trying to protect my job here. I'm just saying I know how God works. I know how God works. But whenever you go to listening to that gossip, and whenever you go to listening, getting that temper up, and whenever you go to thinking you've got a right to do this and a right to do that, then the dove just takes her flight and goes on, uh, goes on away, and you haven't, then you don't have it anymore. Now, if you haven't never heard this, we really are not a people who have a bunch of rights. As a matter of fact, all of our rights we laid at the foot of Calvary's cross. And now we are his prisoners. So when it comes to rights, when it comes to your independent right to do something, um, I'll see if I can come up with one, and I'll tell you. All right, let's deal with reconciliation, okay? Let's deal with reconciliation. We want to make sure that we deal with reconciliation because we don't want to have a Hebrews twelve fifteen incident in our life. And that is a root of bitterness. A root of bitterness makes life miserable for you and everybody you come in contact with. Because somebody with a root of bitterness can't help but tell everybody how bad life really is. And how unjust they, unjustly they've been treated. They love to tell people because they have a victim mentality usually. And they feel like people are against them. Whether it's household, whether it's church or pastors or whatever else. People who have a root of bitterness, uh, they find that uh, this thing is, has really got roots and it really spreads. And so therefore, we want to look diligently, the Bible says, because we don't want to fail the grace of God. And therefore, it's important for us to be quick to forgive, slow to retaliate, turn the other cheek, walk the extra mile, and give them your cloak also on the way. Right? 
You want to walk in that person's shoes. You want to, uh, you know, put yourself empathetically into their position. And uh, you had to guard always against the root of bitterness because uh, you can even be corrected for something you're doing wrong. And the correction is correct. And, and the, the, the thing you were involved in was wrong. And people can still get bitter because they don't like to be told. You know why? Because we live in Laodicea. And that's the spirit of the age. Right? So therefore, uh, you need to, you need to, like uh, Solomon says, you need to use uh, discretion or wisdom or discernment here to defer your anger. Uh, you want to be angry about the right things and hold on to that because we're going we're gonna to deal with that in just a moment here. Now, uh, I've quoted this scripture. This is uh, my confession to you. I've quoted this scripture a lot over my lifetime and uh, quoted it, uh, I think, mostly correct, but I never really knew what it fully meant. And so, uh, let me share with you a little bit about the scriptures familiar to you. But I, I want you to, if you don't mind, and if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is a really interesting chapter in the book of Matthew. I, uh, I'm studying for my black belt in Matthew. I, I just, I love it. Uh, there's so many great lessons that are in it, and I, I just, I read it constantly because I, I just love it. I have commentaries on it. I, I regard things that Brother Branham said about it. Uh, some of the older, uh, elders in the, in the, uh, faith over the years have said some great things about the, uh, book of Matthew. And I just, personally, it's just my go-to book. And, uh, I just love it. I need you to take a look, though, at, at what's said here in the very begin, very uh, first part of it here. In F- Matthew 5.17, Think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Here's Jesus now in a, in, a, in a teaching mode. And he wants the people to understand about the law. Because, remember now, New Testament grace hadn't been established yet. We hadn't had Paul to work through the Old Testament and present Jesus uh, out of the Old Testament and all the other pieces that were going to come under Paul's teaching in the New Testament. But Jesus says, I want you to understand now my relation to the law. And remember now what I've taught you before. That there are three acts, aspects to the law that are always important to remember. There was the ceremonial laws, or let's say it this way. All laws in the Old Testament could be divided into three groups. One is a ceremonial that is like the dress of the priests and the order of the sacrifices and all of that, the building of the temple. All of that was ceremonial. There was also dietary rules, right? Thou shalt not uh, eat certain kinds of animals. And they're, they're described. And the kinds of food that uh, the children of Israel were to eat. And that was, a, that was a, a big issue to God in the Old Testament there. So you have ceremonial and dietary. The third thing that uh, is important is the moral law. And the moral law described how we would live and how we would treat one another. The relation, the, the, the rules that govern relationships. And so the moral law was a very important thing. And the ceremonial law, we know when they killed lambs, for instance, ended at Calvary because Jesus as the Lamb of God died and therefore there was no need to offer any more, uh, little lambs, right? Ceremonial law. Dietary law also ceased at the, at the coming of Christ. Uh, and then thirdly, the moral law. Jesus does not do away with the moral law. He magnifies the moral law. So when it says that thou shalt commit adultery, Jesus said, hey, you, you're not even supposed to look and lust after a woman. 
Now, that's different than the actual act of adultery, right? All right, so stay with me now. For verily, verse 18, I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Where, whosoever therefore shall break one of the least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. Ye have heard it said, 21, by them of old time, including Moses, thou shalt not kill, which in the Hebrew means thou shalt not murder. Therefore, it was permissible for a man to serve as a soldier, but he could not be a murderer. Are we okay? Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Watch the next verse. But I say unto you. And in saying that, just that phrase alone, but I say unto you, Jesus has taken upon himself the authority to bring this people into a higher level of understanding than those of old did. Now Jesus here is either really right or he's really wrong. Because this is, a, uh, this is a huge, huge thing. He's taking the law that they have lived by for hundreds and hundreds and into the thousands of years. They've lived by, hey, this is the stuff that's written in stone. This is the stuff that God penned himself. And now Jesus says, you've heard it said, now I'm telling you. Whoa. All right, so let's, let's do it this way, everybody. How about if I came out to you tonight and said, now listen, you've heard Brother Branham say, but I'm going to tell you something else. You'd say, yeah. You, you'd do this number spiritually. Really? Like, you know, Brother Barry, who do you think you are? Even you. would, would if, I, if I attempted to somehow... Uh, Move, move you as a congregation in a place that, uh, in a sense, in a sense, displaces what those of old had taught, or somehow or another be perceived as changing the word. You either have to be really right, or you're nuts. You're not going to pull pull that over on the bride to somehow make a change and uh, do something uh, beyond what Brother Branham taught and so forth, you know, change that somehow. I mean, you would naturally, some of you are drawn back now because you're scared of where I'm going. I only use that as an example. Let me say this. Jesus knows who he is. He knows his authority. He knows what he's doing here. And he takes this new standard, if you like. You have heard it say, thou shalt not kill. But I say unto you. Let's, let's dig into this. Let's lift the lid on this now and find the heart of God, what God was really after, all right? Let's, let's look at this now in a, in a new way. And he's, and he's getting it. I mean, they're, they're sitting there. All of a sudden, they reach in, take their pen out, ask their neighbor for a slip of paper. I want to make notes now. I was just in church before, but now I want to make notes. So I don't want to forget this. 
Because they didn't record services too well back then. So now they're making notes. And one of the things that Jesus died for is that they accused him of changing Moses' law. That Jesus wasn't changing Moses' law. How do you know? Well, because he just said, 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets, and not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So he wasn't there to change the word, but he was there to help them understand the word in a better way. Is that all right? He's there to help them to understand the word in a better way. So let's say it this way as we read down through this example, because as Jesus begins to teach here, there are two things, first of all, right out the gate, two things that he wants them to understand real clearly. And the first one is this whole idea of anger. And the second thing, which begins in uh, verse 28, is about adultery or sexual sin. These are the first two things that he wants them to understand in contrast to the Old Testament here. Well, let's read it, all right? Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, thou shalt not kill, 22. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Wow. I mean, that's... Even if you never did anything. Even if you never did anything. Now, if you threw a rock at him and hit him in the head, that would be one thing. If you shot him with a gun, that would be one thing. But he's talking about being angry with thy brother without a cause. You're in danger of judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. Now, back then, and then just, just for your information... Back then, uh, if there were certain uh, infringements of uh, common law, they had councils in every town and village around Israel. And they would settle them, kind of like Moses settled disputes back in the Old Testament. And so the image is, is that if you do something that's wrong, or let's say, let's say this, like today, if you slandered somebody. If I said to Brother Aaron, uh, you know... Uh, he's just a good for nothing and he, uh, he, the car he's driving is a stolen car and he robbed money for the church and everything else. And I told, Aaron wasn't here for a service and I told all you people that. You know what I'd be doing? I'd be slandering his name. He's not here to defend that. It's not true. Hello? It's not true. But I'd be slandering his name. So if I was accused, for instance, if Brother Aaron come back and said, well, here's the, here's the canceled check for the car, and here's all the defense that I can offer to counter Brother Barry's statement here, uh, then I could be accused of slander. So slander would go then to the council. Okay, that's, that's the idea. Now Jesus says this in this statement here, whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka. Raka is not a word that you can translate into the English very easily, uh, but it means, in a sense, somebody who has contempt. Contempt is a strong word. And one who despises another with arrogant contempt is what Jesus is talking about. When you despise somebody with an arrogance because of your color or your birth status or the amount of wealth you have, and you have an arrogance about you, and you have a contempt towards somebody, and you, as Jesus said, and you shall say to his brother, Raka, you will be in danger of the council. That's not a literal thing where you'll go up in front of these judges in town. This means that God's going to judge that. That's, that's the symbol he's giving. When, you, when, you, when your anger comes to this place where you slander somebody, you know what? You, God's going to judge. God's going to deal with that. 
But whoso, watch, whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be danger of, in danger of hell's fire. Wow. Now, a fool in the scripture here, and Jesus is illustrating to them that it means to destroy a person's character and, and reputation. And that deserves the harshest punishment. Remember Brother Branham, didn't Brother Branham say, he said, you don't need to put a knife in a man's back to murder him, but you can say things about him and destroy his character. That, in the eyes of Jesus, deserves the harshest punishment that a person can give. Wow. I'm just telling you what he said. So this whole idea of... Uh, of the law, and Jesus says, I'm not here to take away the law now, but let's, let's, let's read down here through here. And his first example is this whole idea of anger. Anger is not something that God wants to see in your life. There are two kinds of anger that Jesus is referring to. Number one is the thumos. A thumos is the flame that comes from dried straw. That's what the meaning of the word is. Now, if you have a pile of dried straw and you put a match to it, you know what it's going to do? <clears throat> That's what it's going to do. It goes up quick, flashy, but it goes out quick. Many times you heard uh, in a, in a, when they try a, a murder case or something like that, they'll say, was it a crime of passion? Was it something that somebody did on the spur of the moment? Uh, maybe they, some fellow saw his wife with another man, crime of passion, bang, you know, there's a, an incident there. That would be something that's like a, a pile of straw. It, it's there quickly, but it goes down. It's not something that's planned. It's not something that happens over time. The other kind of anger, though, is the uh, Greek word O-R-G-E. And it means a deep, long-lived brooding. It never goes out. It's filled with insulting words. It refuses to be pacified, and it seeks revenge. That's the two kinds of anger. One is the thumos, and the other one is the ogre. I don't know if you know any ogres. Um, Ogres are not easy people to deal with, because they'll wait around a long time to get even. They got their anger on slow burn. And they'll let it percolate and percolate a long time. And they live as angry people. They are guilty of the sin of insult and oppression in words. Many times, people who are verbal abusers are people who are full of anger. And they're really hard to deal with. They're really hard to reason with because they always think they're right. Jesus leans into, listen, Jesus leans into both kinds of anger and condemns them both. And he says, if you're going to speak to somebody with contempt and call them racha, he says, then you're in danger of uh, the council. If you are, uh, you know, if you have this kind of an, in other words, all three of those examples there, Jesus is simply letting us know this. Hey, there's a point here. But Jesus is only ten after nine. All three examples, Jesus wants... I got you thinking, though, didn't I? Jesus wants us to understand very clearly that anger out of control, God's going to deal with. The message is, don't have it. Deal with it. Get things settled. Watch. 
Read in your Bible, if you will, verse 23. It's on the, some of it's on the screen here. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. And first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Your gift means nothing to God if you have aught between you and someone else. Jesus is saying that you have a responsibility to have things right between you and and other people before your gift is accepted before God. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, in Jewish tradition, I'm not telling you you need to do this. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That's my job, to give you the whole counsel of God. But let me just say this. That in the, old, in, in the days of Jesus, when he was there, if somebody offered an offering and they gave it, they brought it to the temple, uh, to be given, like money or an animal or something else, you know, to shed blood, uh, and they brought it to the temple and they, they did this. They had, they were known to have ought against somebody. There's a feud between these two families and it's not settled. You know what the priests were ordered to do? Was to take that offering and just burn it outside the temple. We're not going to use that offering. Because it wouldn't be accepted by God anyway, because there's a stress or a problem. There's a, something unacceptable to God that's going on in your life. You can offer all you want. Not gonna, not gonna please God. Sorry, but I mean, that's, that's what, that's what Jesus is saying. So that if, if you, if you have, listen, you would think, you would think the other way. You would think the other way. I want to offer something to God, get all my offerings in, pay my tithes, get everything straight, and then God will bless me and I'll go and make something right because now the anointing of God's on me. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, listen, you're better off leaving everything just as it is. Go make that right first. Go make that right first. And then come back. And do what the law requires you to do. Because if there is that anger or bitterness, or if there's a, you know a, a cause for uh, the um, the brooding or insulting words, or revenge, or the sin of insult, or any of that that's going on, contempt. Go make that right, and then come back to God. But don't think that. God's going to say, wow, you know what? He brought extra offerings today. We'll let that other go. Don't think that. Leave the gift. Be reconciled first. Then he says in verse 25, Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him. Lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto you, thou shalt by no means come out thence, the law has paid the uttermost farthing. Wow. Agree is the opposite of disagree. Good thing you came to church tonight to hear that, right? So what's Jesus telling us to do? Agree with thine adversary. He's not saying even agree uh, you know, with family members or your pastor. He's saying agree with your adversary. If you've got an adversary, go make that right. Somehow or another work, work things out. Now look, my adversary may not be my best friend. He may not, he may not become my best buddy. Because if there's an offense there, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there, listen, there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. I can forgive something that's done. But I may not be able to reconcile easily. Jesus is saying that whatever you can do, he says, go and agree with thine adversary quickly and to leave your gift and go to make that right. 
let me, you understand, these are things that Jesus is cautioning us to do here because we always want to be on the right side of God. We want to have shalom in our home. The way you have shalom in your home is you have the Prince of Peace in your home. Now watch what reconcile means. Reconcile means to change the mind of somebody, to reconcile, to renew friendships with one. If you can, if you can do that, hey, we are at odds. We disagree. You know what we're going to do? I'm going to go to try to change your mind about me. I'm going to go to try to change your mind about uh, what you said. Brother Aaron may come uh, to me and say, uh, Brother Barry, I, I don't know why you said all those things about me, and uh, certainly uh, you, know, that's, you know that none of that's true, and I don't really know why you did that, but I'm here to help change your mind about things. To me, that's a better thing to do than for him to get on Facebook and say, you know, boy, I'll tell you what, at Hickory Bible Tabernacle, they might have a nice fellowship hall, but they sure don't have a nice pastor. Just saying. Ugly face, ugly face, ugly face, ugly face. Your job is to do what we can to attempt to reconcile. Hey, that's what Jesus did, right? Therefore, leave their gift at the altar and go thy way. Now, what is reconciliation? We find it in Scripture real quickly here. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him, to reconcile all things unto himself, whether things in heaven, things on earth. God, the Spirit of the Father, he was a reconciler. He wanted there to be harmony, to bring back to a former state of harmony. God wanted to have what Adam lost, right? Come back into a former state of harmony. That's what, that's what God's after. And you that were sometimes alienated, he says, now hath, verse 21, yet now hath he reconciled. You are aliens. You didn't deserve the grace that's being extended here, but God extended himself to reconcile. All right, look, look here. Forgiveness can happen with one person. I can forgive somebody. That person may not even know, but in my heart, I can forgive somebody. Reconciliation requires two. Because there was once harmony between these two. There was once something right between these two. Something happened. And we're going to try to bring this thing back together again. We're going to change the minds of the people involved. Okay? But you can't do that with just one person. You got to, if you're going to reconcile, we're going to have two parties coming together. At least attempting to come together. Right? You can see that in a household, in a marriage, it's really important that we understand this idea of reconciliation. Because, you know, it would be a good thing if my wife offended me that I forgave her. But i got to go that extra step. I want to be reconciled to her. Because she, me and her are in a covenant relationship. I've taken a vow to her. Right? So, therefore, we got to reconcile this. we got to get it back on, the, back on the rails again. Something's happened that's gone off the rails. we got to get it back on the rails. Jesus, listen, Jesus came to earth to get all of us back on the rails again. You understand what I say when, I'm, when I use that phrase, right? You want to get it back on the track again. Back working again. That's what Jesus did. Your job is to accept what he did for us. Again, reconciliation. By reason of his sacrifice, men in their sinful condition are invited to reconcile to him. That is, to change their attitude or their mind and accept the provision that God has made, whereby their sins can be remitted and they can be justified in the sight of God. Ephesians 2.14, same thing. Now watch what Brother Branham says, all right? So 
Let's focus now. He says, just don't join church now. Don't do that. Don't get this in your mind. That won't work. you got to be born again. Not an emotional workup. Not some little something that says, well, I shouted, I spoke with tongues, and that ain't it. You ever see those things now? I, I, somehow or another, I get them. Uh, I guess some algorithm thinks I need them. But in my, uh, f- uh, you know, my computer, when you get on the Internet, I have all these things. Don't eat this. Eat this. You, anybody get those? Or don't, uh, don't do this exercise. Do this. Don't go here. Go here. And this algorithm seems to think that uh, it knows what I should be doing and what I shouldn't be doing. So, of course, it's right because it's on the Internet. So here's Brother Branham. He, he's telling us, this won't work, this will. So the Bible had it first, okay? And Brother Branham had it, had it first in our generation. Don't just feel like, well, I can just park my carcass in the church building and I'm okay. You're not. Well, I shouted and spoke in tongues. No, that ain't it. When really in your heart, Something comes to change you, and you become a new creature in Christ. You receive the person, Jesus Christ. Old things die out. New things are born, new things are born again. You make things right. That's, that's an effect of the new birth. You make things right. Everybody with me? And that you did, uh, you make things right that you did wrong. You love your enemies. You pray for those who despitefully use you. That's when you're a Christian, and a tree is no mother fruit it bears. So don't do this, do this. Don't think that a church can save you. Don't think that a minister can save you. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that saves you. It's a new birth, an encounter with God. That's what saves you. That's the only safe place. That's the only place of security, right? Everybody with me? That's what you pray your children experience. That's what we pray that every member, uh, uh, you know, inside the hearing of my voice that we experience. We all have to experience that. We're not trying to make you good HBT members. We're not trying to, uh, you know, make, find a t-shirt that fits you and makes you one of the crowd. We're trying to make sure that you have, in this atmosphere, a meeting with Jesus Christ, and that conversion is the only thing that's going to put you under the token. Are we okay? And when that happens, old things pass away, new things, uh, you know, come to pass, and you make things right. You things that you did wrong. And you, now you begin to love your enemies. Before, uh, you would do something vile to your enemies. And now we do something good to our enemies. Now we do uh, the good thing. We turn the other cheek. Brother Branham gives us an example here. A little German woman, I send, he said, I send prayer cloths out by the thousands and she got one. She didn't have a pastor, so she got her neighbors together and they came in to pray. And she confessed her faults. There's one thing you gotta do. He said, there's one thing you gotta do is to make things right with God. Because the affliction might be on you for that purpose. To bring you to God. She got it right. First thing she did, she got the prayer cloth. She had people around to pray with her, but she didn't just say, okay, let's, let's pray it all away. She, first she confessed her faults and made things right with God. Making things right with God. That's Brother Bram's expression for reconciliation. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna change this picture. Bring it, this thing may have brought me to God, but either way, Lord, I'm here and I need your help. I need conversion. So confess all your sins. She'd been crippled with arthritis for about 20 years and all right. Old, she said, old man, the devil, the works is done. So get away. Here I come. And she got up and walked out of the wheelchair. He said, that's the way you got to believe it. 
That's the way you got to believe it. Just in that manner. Just as simple as we can be. It's not a theologically complex thing. It's not something that she needs to wait 10 years for. Not at all. She just needs to uh, confess her faults, make things right with God, then act on the promise. Somebody say amen. amen. That's what happens. When you're reconciled, when you're in the right position with God, then you can act on the promises with confidence. Then you can act with confidence. And that's what God wants believers to do. He doesn't want us to doubt and wonder, will this work? Will it not? You know, is it right for me? Is it not? Lord, I'm not worthy. Hey, none of us are worthy. He wants you to look at the promise, meet the requirements that he's given you, getting right with God, and, you know, confess the things that you need to confess, and then walk on with the promises. Be like Shamgar out there in the face of all your enemies. Remember, your Goliaths will look smaller in the face of the promise of God. Are we Okay. So, questions and answers, 1961, see the asterisks up there? That means that we'll arise out of our slumber and we'll read this together. Watch what he says. Now, this is a great question somebody asked. They said, the Bible says that everything works together for good to them that love the Lord. Then if you love God and turn back to the world, would God let you die in your sin? Uh, or would he let you be reconciled back to him before he takes you away? Uh, Brother Bram considers that a good question. So, if you love God... But you turn back to the world. In other words, you backslide. Would God let you die in your sin? Or is he going to reconcile you and bring you back? He says, see temporarily, minor, every one of us backslide many times a day. We know that. We're all guilty, every one of us. There's none of us perfected. And as long as we're in this body, no matter how much the people try to tell you, well, I got sanctified, I can kiss this woman or do that. He's lying. He cannot. No amount of Holy Ghost is going to change that picture. I don't try to say, Lord, let me see how close I can go to the edge of the mountain. It's, Lord, keep me as far away from the edge of the mountain I can get. Remember, you're still human beings. But now, if you make a mistake and do something wrong, you don't willfully. In other words, you don't stop reading this quote right now and say, hey, wow, you know what? You know what this means? I can do what I want. And I can always come back to God and say, I'm sorry. Don't try it. Don't try it. Because a Christian doesn't sin willfully. If you are a Christian and you're born again, you don't mean to do wrong. Your prayer changes then. It's like, Lord, I made a mistake. I don't want to make it again. Lord, take that desire away from me. Take that thought away from me. Take that temptation away. Close that door of opportunity that's there. Your intentions and everything is right but if, as a Christian. But if you do make a mistake and do something wrong, will God, will, let you just, will God let you just go on and die like that? Or will he bring you back to reconciliation? He will bring you back. Oh, let me say it again. He will bring you back. How many of you here have ever made a mistake since you've been converted? He will bring you back. That's why I put the asterisk on up there. He will bring you back. That's right. He will bring you back. Says it again. And if you don't do, if you do anything wrong, watch. If you do anything wrong and it don't condemn you and you go on like that on out, remember you wasn't saved at the beginning. Wow, that's right. You wasn't saved. You had a make belief, but you wasn't saved. But when you're saved, you have a different spirit, you're a different nature. You're a new creature in Christ. All things have passed away. But being you're living here in this world, there's traps set for you everywhere. And you're walking with your eyes on Facebook so that you know what everybody's doing. That's not what it says. 
You're walking every day with your eyes on Christ. And remember, when you make a mistake, and we will, we'll always come back quickly for reconciliation because I want to make sure God thinks about me in the right way. Now, oh, it's almost 9.30. All right, I've said to you entirely up to this point, reconciliation is what God's done for you. You have to accept it. God, God, he, he paid for your sins. He died on the cross. Now you have to accept it. You have to come and embrace that cross. You have to believe that Jesus died for you. But here's where we take a turn. And here's where we come into the home. Paul teaches now that because you are saved by the blood of Christ, you actually are given a ministry of reconciliation. You have the Listen to me. You have the power to bring things back into harmony. I mean, that's, that's what he's saying twice in this, in this passage here. He hath given us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not, impute, listen, not imputing their trespasses to, to them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we be ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. And we pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. All right, so yes, we as preachers, we can go out there and we can preach to the unsaved. We, Brother Aaron sent me some pictures here this week of uh, brothers who got their new uh, microphone and their portable church sound system. And uh, they're out preaching away, and it was great. You know, watch the brothers preaching in the streets there in Zimbabwe in the villages. It's, it's great. See, like a house on fire. And, man, they got zeal. Out, we'll show you some. And uh, it's just great to see them out there preaching. And the, the message is very simply, hey, be reconciled to God. God. We're at the end time. God's done something great. We got a message. We got their salvation still available. Mercy's still open. All right? And that's what these brothers are preaching. Yes, be reconciled to God. But as a reconciler, I'm going to want to reconcile everywhere I go. I want to reconcile differences in the church. If there's somebody, if there's two families that are out of sync, I want to do what I can to reconcile them back together. I'm going to do everything I can to change their thinking so they're thinking right about that person or that family and not the wrong thing about that family. If you're messed up in your relationship with God, or if you have, if we have a husband and wife and they're not thinking right about one another, I mean, she hasn't murdered him, but I can't tell you it's not in her heart. Aha, now Matthew 5 applies. Because Jesus said you can't, listen, murder is wrong, but murder from the heart is also wrong. Are we okay? I know you don't know anything about this. But I will guarantee you that there are married couples who have disagreed to the point of, I'd like to... You can fill in the blank. I remember one time Brother Tim Airwood was on his honeymoon. They were up in Canada. They went to a little Bavarian shop at this place they were. And they got to talking, and this woman noticed, old Bavarian German type, type woman, and they, she was conversing with them, and brother, uh, she asked them, well, what brings you here? And she, they said, well, we're on our honeymoon. And she said, oh, you know, immediately that's an invitation for a lot of people to give you marriage advice. Have you ever noticed that? 
So anyway, they, she started to give marriage advice. And, and Tim asked her, he said, well, I mean, did you ever have disagreements with your husband? She said, disagreements, yes. Yes, disagreements, yes. Murder, not yet, but disagreements, yes. <clears throat> All right, so let me ask you a question. Is the ministry of reconciliation just for pastors? If, if you're... To me, it seems like if you're in Christ, you're an ambassador for Christ, and somehow or another, God's imparted to you into you something that desires to reconcile things, bring things back into harmony again. This is where you can achieve shalom in the home. When you pass from death unto life, all these things become dead, your new creature in Christ. If you see something wrong, you'll pray for it. God be merciful. If you see trouble, instead of going and tattling, trying to make it worse, you'll try to get the person to straighten up, quiet and right quick. That's the spirit of God in you. The Spirit of God in you doesn't put logs on the fire. The Spirit of God does not put wrong stuff on social media. The Spirit of God does not spread gossip around the church. The Spirit of God is going to do whatever it can quickly to make that thing right and quieten the situation. Because nothing gets reconciled in an atmosphere of anger. As a matter of fact, I'll say this. In order to reconcile... You have to create an atmosphere, and that atmosphere is the thing that helps reconciliation to begin. You, you, can't, you can't reconcile in an atmosphere of violence. You can't reconcile in an atmosphere that created the same problem in the first place. Sometimes you have to do something to change the atmosphere and to be able to talk things out in a more peaceful way. That's the spirit of God in you. If you make a mistake, you're subject to them. We all make mistakes. If you make a mistake, you correct it right right quick. And don't let the sun go down in your wrath. That's how you know you've passed from death unto life. Because you have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, and patience. And we have a high priest who's waiting to intercede. But you you understand a little bit that Brother Branham's not saying God's going to do all this for you. The Spirit of God in you is going to help reconcile the situation with God's help. Aren't you glad you got God's help? Because sometimes you'll come up with things in a, trying to settle a disagreement that you never thought of before. And that's exactly what the Spirit of God will do. Now, let me just say it again. There was Abraham out there, backslid, telling a little white lie that Sarah was his sister. Remember that? In order that he didn't get killed and Abimelech wanted to take her to be married, God deals with Abimelech and says, hey, uh, you bring that woman back to Abraham there, but let's pick it up there. And God said, no matter who he was, he's, he's my prophet. And I have given him the promise. I called it by election. He may be backslid now. That, and that didn't give him a chance to lie. But God said, I'll deal with him for that. But anyhow, he's mine. And you take his wife back or everything you got's going to die. 
My, he rose from there, grabbed the woman, and away he went. Yes, sir, he's going to make things right. He's not going to just leave this up to God. Well, if God, hey, if that's his wife, you just speak the word and she'll be transported over to Abraham's house. No, he got up, took Sarah, brought her over to Abraham's house, and he's there to make restitution. Because restitution requires two people, right? And that's, he said, Brother Bram said, that's what we need tonight. A bunch of that kind of revival to break out across the country. You may not have referred to a revival as that before, but my goodness, what a, what a blessing that would be if you know, some people made things right that need to be made right. You know what that would do? It would cause the Spirit of God to free up and move more freely, and my, more people would be blessed. Hey, listen, don't wait for it to happen here in the church. Go home and do it. Reconcile at home. Reconcile the differences at home. Make things right. Do things which, things that have you know, been buried and kind of linger there. And, you know, you look around every now and then, there, there's that old hatchet. You need to bury that hatchet, not in the back of your husband or your wife. You need to bury that hatchet somewhere where it's not going to be of, uh, of any detriment to anybody anymore. Brother Bram said, then, he says, hey, listen, I don't know about you, but I want the Spirit of God to move in my house. I want the Spirit of God to move in this church. I want the Spirit of God to move where I, wherever I go. And, and so if I got hatchets all over the place, hey, listen, that's not going to help. For, that's not going to help the Spirit of God because, you know what, God knows what's going on. Hey, you might have a great offering to give. And Jesus says, leave it. Go make it right. Bury the hatchet. Come back because the offering is not going to override this thing that's going on in your life. Do you believe that God knows what's going on in your life? It isn't important that, you know, I haven't, I haven't found out yet. That's not important. I don't need to know what goes on in your home. I don't need to know what you said to somebody tonight on the way to church. I don't need to know that in order to know what to say here. I know this, that you can bind the Spirit of God without ever shooting anybody, but you can talk to somebody with contempt and bind the Spirit of God right there. You're better off leaving your offering, go make that right, come back, then watch the Spirit of God move. No amount of offerings and gifts is going to make the Spirit of God move over that. Am I making sense? Now, you in the prayer line, if there's any unconfessed sin in your life, remember, I'm laying it right back on your lap, brother. If you've got sin and it's not confessed, just be aware. He says, you make things right. If that's in your life, step out of the line, make that right, come back in the line. In other words, if you've got something to make right, God's not going to go make it right for you. you got to do it. If there's something in the home that needs to be made right, you need to do it. You don't need to let somebody else... Wait for somebody to show up at the door. Or wait for you to come to church and the pastor takes care of it all and unties the knot at church here. The best I could probably do is to let you know that there might be a knot. But if you tied the knot, you might be the one that needs to go and untie it. I'm talking real simply here, but a lot of times home can feel dry. Home can feel cold. Home can feel like nothing ever happens here. And it's because, some way or another, an attitude may have bound the moving of the Spirit of God. And Brother Bram's saying, I'm putting it right back on you now. You people that are coming in the prayer line, because they quickly find out in the prayer line that God knows it all. That's one thing they discover in the prayer line, that God knows it all. And there ain't nothing that's hid. 
There ain't nothing, no matter how diligent they've been in trying to hide that, there ain't no way you can hide it from God. All right, you remember the story, I've quoted it many times, you've probably heard it, uh, where Brother Branham had that woman in his house, you remember, and uh, she was wanting to be healed, she had a mental disturbance, and, and uh, Brother Branham begins to tell her, he says, I see you in the car, you're on a railroad track. Remember that? Yeah. And you almost died, and you were with a man, the man was not your husband, your husband was over uh, in the war. And you remember the story? Somebody say amen. You're... So, she says, well, stop, I confess that. Brother Bram said, well, you confessed it to God, but that's only half. You've got to go, you've got you to do this. You've got to go confess it to your husband and make that thing right. She said, well, I could never do that. And he said, well, you probably should because he's got stuff to confess to you too. No, not my husband. And off she goes. And they both, you know, they both reconcile. They both begin to work it out. Let me tell you something about that man. Because Brother Branham said that that man was a teacher in Sunday school in Jeffersonville. And they were in a, like an independent Pentecostal type church. And he was a, a Sunday school teacher. In one of the sermons, Brother Branham's telling the story. And he says that man came to Brother Branham and said, well, I'll resign my Sunday school and I'll quit being a deacon and so forth. Because he had said, no wonder Brother Johnson can't have a revival in his church with sin like that. And so the man said, well, I'll quit being a deacon. I'll quit teaching the, and she'll quit teaching the Sunday school. And Brother Branham said, no. He said, no. You've given that to God. He said, you're forgiven in the eyes of God. Let me tell you what happened to that man. That man went on to take over that church he was in after Brother Johnson died and became the pastor of the church and lived until he was 99. He died in his 99th year and served God from that time faithfully until God took him home. Once you make that thing right with God, once you reconcile with God. But remember, if you've sinned against your partner, you need to go to your partner and get that thing reconciled. If there's a difference in your house, you need to go make that thing right. But once they were reconciled, Brother Branham assures us, he said, in the eyes of God, you know what? It's over. Now the Spirit of God can move. Now you can go on to do what you're called to do. Now the Spirit of God can rush back into that vacuum and make your house a place of peace again. If there's something that binds the church, hey, you deal with that thing instead of, you know, being angry and fighting against it and so on, but you deal with that thing, watch, watch, you know, in that vacuum, watch the Spirit of God move back in there. Bless the people. I mean, it is a good thing for us to go to meetings and to feel good and have all the revival that, you know, you can, you can muster out of those. And that's a great thing. And I love it. And I love to do it myself. And I, uh, I, I just, that's a good thing. But there are principles that all of us need to obey because there's traps set for you everywhere. You bet. You bet. And as believers, our heart's cry is to be reconciled, first with God and then with one another. I'll tell you what, it's a powerful thing. It really is a powerful thing. And it is something that every one of us need to take Absolutely, seriously. Last quote, let me tell you. There's no one can come to him but what he will receive. There's no one can come to him but what he'll receive. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. There's nothing uncertain about this. I'll forgive part of them. Maybe you've done this or done that. I'll hold it against you. Well, he won't forgive me for what I've done to my husband what I've done to my wife, what I've done to my sister. Brother Bram says, I don't care what you've done, 
There's nothing uncertain about the forgiveness of God. He'll forgive everything. Say it with me. He'll forgive everything. Say it again. He'll forgive everything. Now, don't ask God for forgiveness and then jump back into the vat of sin again. There's nothing uncertain. He'll forgive everything. Though they be as red as crimson, be white like wool. There's nothing uncertain about that. He doesn't want people to be confused about that. Let me tell you, it's going to happen just exactly as God said. Why don't we stand to our feet? Let's have our musicians come. Read what the scripture says. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God. It is pleasant, and praise is comely. And the Lord hath built up Jerusalem and gathered together the outcast of Israel. He healeth the brokenhearted and bindeth up their wounds. Glory to God. He heals the brokenhearted. He heals those that are wounded. He heals those that make steps in the right direction. You may not be able to fix everything. You may not be able to turn everything around. But your heart is to reconcile. I want to be reconciled with God if I'm out of sync with God. I want to be reconciled with my brother if I'm out of sync with my brother. The heart of God says, that's that's something I can bless. You may not even do a good job. You may not even remember everything you need to say. But the heart of a Christian says, I want to make that right. I want to be faithful. I don't want to have the Holy Spirit grieved away from my life. So if you need to do it, do it. Do it quickly. Get it done. And watch the Spirit of God pick up, fill that vacuum, and bless bless you again. Bless your household. Bless your family. That's a good way to do it. Oh, listen. Oh, we live in a very complex and confusing world. There's a lot of things that happen, a lot of things that we uh, kind of wish didn't happen. But here we are. God would never have left us here without things we could follow that help us to live a successful, victorious Christian life. He wants you to be an overcomer. And part of what you've got to overcome is what's going on right here and what's buried deep within your heart that you hold. You say, well, it doesn't matter what God says. It should. It should. And God wants it to matter to you. And if you're affected by what I said tonight, I don't know, but if you're affected by what I said tonight, Maybe it's somebody in your household or your family or whatever else. You ought to be praying that God will soften their heart so that the right atmosphere can be created so you can step in and do your part as a reconciler. You can be an ambassador for the kingdom. It's a good occupation. That's what God wants us to do. Create in me a clean Oh, God, thank you. And renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean, sing it now, and make it your prayer to him. Take not. 
yes, Lord. Oh, and restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Let's switch it. It's not in trying, but in trusting. It's not in running, but in resting. It's not in wondering, but in praying. That we find the strength of the It's not, but in resting, and it's not in wandering, but in praying, that we find the strength of the Lord, the more that given a prayer request here for Amanda Brumley's sister. Is that right? Amanda Brumley? It's Amanda. And she was taken to the ER in a hospital. And so they're requesting prayer. We don't know what it is. Oh. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, as we close our service tonight, Lord, we Every one of us, Lord, we sometimes we hesitate at facing challenges that are interpersonal. We don't always like to have to deal face-to-face with things. But, Lord, when your word requires it, then, Lord, we need to ask your help for us to be able to have the strength and courage to do that, to make things right. And Lord, you said you'd never forsake us. So in carrying out your word, we're going to trust in your presence, Lord. May we examine our hearts. And may, Lord, if there's something there, I, I don't know the hearts of the people, Lord, but if there's something there, deal with us. And, Lord, help us. Because we don't have anything hanging on. We don't have anything that's amiss. Father, just come, I pray, Lord, in the volume of the book and just show us, Lord. And we will be faithful in acting on things. The heart of God is to reconcile and Lord, we are ambassadors now and we want to represent the kingdom in the right way. And Father, I pray tonight that with Sister Amanda, that Lord, you'd undertake for her and we don't know all of the details of the situation, 
But Lord, your prophet taught us that we didn't really need to know. We just need to only believe that all things are possible. And so, Lord, we believe it's possible for you to draw near to her and give her relief for these symptoms. We curse that pain and that affliction, Lord, and just pray that you would restore her back to her family. And Lord, I pray that she would have a good report. Lord, do that work that only you can do. We thank you we have a place to turn. We thank you, Lord, that we have a place to go physically. But, Lord, we also have you to turn to, and we're thankful for that. Be the great physician on her part, and may the Holy Spirit draw near to her and take away any fear which always makes things worse. I commit her to you. We pray together, Lord, in faith, believing that you're still a healer tonight, the same as you ever were. And, Lord, for these other requests that have been mentioned tonight, Lord, we we place them into your care. We pray for Brother Tom's niece and... Ask, oh God, that you'd be merciful in that situation as well. Have your way, Lord, we pray, and deal with every heart. And we'll give you thanks in the lovely and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Falling in love. Yes, falling in love. With Jesus, the best thing I've ever, ever done. Singing as you go tonight, God bless you. We'll see you on Saturday. Falling in love with my Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Jesus, it's the best thing I've ever 